if you are a visitor amongst us today, either here or online, or you've returned to RBC after some time away and you don't know who I am, I'm Brent, I'm the interim pastor here, uh, and great to be with you uh, with my wife Glenda. I invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 20. As you are um, finding this passage this morning, um, if I was to tell you that there's a, a city in France called Paris, and in this city there's a gigantic tower that can be seen from miles away. You can go and uh, up this tower, it's about the same distance as 108 stories, so that gives you a sort of an image of how big it is. You can go to the top and you can look all over Paris. Who would believe me? Hands up if you would believe me that there's this amazing tower. Well, there's a few. <laughs> I wonder why you believe me. I'm beginning to doubt why there's no, not more hands up. I wonder if it's because you've been there. A few people, okay. Almost the same number that put their hands up the first time. <laughs> Most people have not been to Paris, probably in this room. But we still believe it's there, don't we? Because we've seen pictures. No, thank you. And it looks like this. Oh, because I had it. There, there we go. The Eiffel Tower looks like this. We've seen pictures of it if we haven't been there ourselves. Or we know people who have been and they've told us about this amazing structure in Paris. We've seen TV shows, Ratatouille, movies that have had Paris as or the Eiffel Tower in that movie. Maybe you have seen one of these pictures. One of 5.5 million Instagram posts of people standing in front of the Eiffel Tower. These sort of pictures of the Eiffel Tower make up 10% of all pictures in Instagram. Huge. The top Instagrammed picture in the world. What if I told you I had $20 trillion, a banknote of $20 trillion in my pocket? <laughs> Would you believe me? Okay. C.S. Lewis made this quote. It's a little bit light, uh, small though, we'll read it. I have to believe that Jesus was and is God. And it seems plain as a matter of history that he taught his followers that the new life was communicated in this way. In other words, he says, I believe it, is on his, I believe it on his authority. 99% of the things you believe are believed on authority. The ordinary person believes in the solar system, atoms and the circulation of blood on authority because the scientists say it's so. Every historical statement is believed on authority. None of us have seen the Norman Conquest or the defeat of the Spanish Armada, but we believe them simply because people who did see them have left writings that tell us about them. In our service on Good Friday, we heard from a soldier as he reflected 
of being there at the, the foot of that cross, the cross where he had nailed Jesus to, um, and the impact that Jesus' death had made on him. Today we're going to hear from a disciple of Jesus. This disciple didn't believe that Jesus was alive initially and wouldn't believe until he'd seen him for himself. Let's watch the video. I remember the first time somebody called me a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, disciple. A nice ring to it. It felt um, strong. You realized you were a part of something much bigger than yourself. Sometimes it was really, really tough. See, I, I can't begin to describe just how disorienting things were back then. I mean, one minute Jesus is telling you about uh, the gift of life, and the next minute it seems like he's just going to let us drown in the middle of the sea. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we didn't drown. It sure seemed like we were going to. Looking back on it, I realized that Jesus didn't waste a moment. I mean, he was always showing us that he was who he said he was. Which, I know, begs the question. How can we doubt him? Yeah, I tend to be the one that gets asked that more than anybody. Because for some reason, doubter has been connected with my name. For the record, I wasn't the only one who doubted. It's just, I wasn't there the day that Jesus appeared to everyone else. I, I, I was gone. And, and so, I didn't... There, look, the finality of death, it has a... Uh, a choking grip on all of us. And on that day that Jesus was crucified, when, um, when death swallowed him up, and then there was the day that um, they showed me his hands and the scars. He said, Thomas, you believe because you see. But there's going to be people who believe and don't see. And that night changed everything. I mean, I was still a disciple. But now, now it's impossible. Sent to share the good news. To tell a story. You know, there's a, uh, there's another word, and started with a few of us, began to spread. I think it's the best word of all. It says everything that needs to be said, because we realized it wasn't about how well we believed. It was about who we believed in. Jesus Christ the Son of God. Yeah, from that moment on, 
We were called believers. On the evening of that first Easter Sunday morning, or the evening of that first Easter Sunday, the, the disciples were, were locked away in a room, afraid for their lives, afraid that they would fate, would experience the same fate that Jesus had, had experienced. They were afraid. And suddenly, Jesus appears before them. But one of them, Thomas, wasn't there. And so we see in verse, uh, we've got your Bibles there back to John chapter 20, and verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, when the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, the disciples had already heard that Jesus was alive from the women who had visited the tomb earlier in the day. But Luke tells us in his gospel that the disciples didn't believe the woman. He says they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Crazy. How could you believe crazy stuff like that? These women are insane. One of them did believe, and we're going to come back to him a little bit later. So here we are in this upper room, and Jesus just suddenly appears among his, his disciples. And the disciples see him, and they're, they're overwhelmed with emotion. They're, the Bible says they're overcome with joy. But Thomas misses out. Now, we don't know where Thomas was. The rest of the ten that were left were there. Thomas wasn't there. Maybe, maybe he was just grieving the loss of his saviour, his friend, his leader. And that grief was just so intense for him that he stayed away, locked himself in a room somewhere to go through his grief, to go through his pain in solitude. But sometimes later, the, the, we don't know exactly when, the disciples um, tell Thomas that they've seen Jesus. In verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when, he came, when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas needed to see Jesus himself. And not just see Jesus, but put his hands into the wounds in Jesus' hands. Until he could do that, until he could prove Jesus was alive, he wasn't going to believe it. A week passes and Thomas finally has the encounter with Jesus that he's been wanting and waiting for. Verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with, with them. Through, sorry, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand 
and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas's initial disbelief that Jesus was alive gave him the nickname Doubter, which may have been a pretty unfair word or nickname to give him. Thomas was deeply devoted in following Jesus. In fact, Thomas was the first disciple, the first person recorded in John's Gospel to call out, my Lord, my God. Thomas just didn't believe Jesus was alive until he um, could see him. There was, was another disciple who believed before he actually got to see Jesus risen. And that's found at the very beginning of chapter 20. At the beginning of chapter 20, we see... Um, oh, sorry, there's a bit of black screen there. Um, this whole, you guys just want to blank the screen for me? Please, thank you. At the beginning of chapter 20, we see Mary Magdalene telling Peter and John that Jesus' body had been taken from the tomb. They'd gone to the tomb to anoint it in the custom, the, the Jewish custom, because they didn't have time to do it before Passover. Had gone to the tomb expecting to find this body that they were now going to prepare for burial, even though it had already taken place. Maybe the disciples were on their way to the tomb as well. And they meet Mary rushing back, crying, upset. They've taken Jesus, they've taken Jesus. In John's Gospel, beginning of chapter 20, uh, we see that John gets to the tomb first. And he stops at the door, the entrance into the tomb, and is sort of waiting, do I go in, peering in. And Peter rushes up, Peter's boisterous and brash, pushes past John and rushes right into the tomb. And John then makes his way in. Peter sees what John sees. The linen cloths folded, lying on the place where Jesus' body had been. Now, we don't know what's going through Peter's mind when all this is going on, what Peter thinks as, as he sees this empty tomb. But we know what John thinks. And in verse 8 of John chapter 20, John writes this. Finally, the other disciple, that's himself, he doesn't like to use his name. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, we've got to put that in, also went inside. He saw and he believed. John gets to the tomb, looks inside, sees nothing and believes Jesus is alive. It's right there in that tomb as John sees these folded grave clothes that John believes Jesus is alive. In the verses that follow this, verses eight, uh, 11 to 18, we read that Mary Magdalene also became a believer that Jesus was alive when she meets Jesus in the garden. For Mary, hearing Jesus call her by name was all it took for her to believe Jesus is alive. Jesus is not dead. But for John, he didn't hear Jesus. He didn't see him. Jesus believed, sorry, John believed by going into the tomb, looking into the darkness, the emptiness, and all he saw was nothing a pile of grave clothes. 
biblical scholar Tom Long makes an interesting observation about this moment in John's life when he makes this, um, comes to this point of believing that Jesus is alive. He says, John, unlike the others, believes in the resurrection in the light of Jesus' absence. John believes in Jesus' being, Jesus being alive in light of Jesus' absence. In other words, John believes even though Jesus isn't there. He looks into the tomb, he sees nothing, and he believes. What John didn't see that day is the same for us as well today when it comes to, to, to following Jesus and believing in Jesus. We, we see nothing. We don't see Jesus physically. We see nothing but an empty tomb as we read the story. So in some ways, if we choose to believe in Jesus, we do so like John, not like Thomas. We choose to believe based on the words of Jesus, based on witnesses who saw Jesus alive rather than the physical presence of Jesus being there in front of us. We choose to, work, to, um, to believe the words of the angel sitting at the tomb, waiting for these people to come and see, um, to visit the tomb. And the angel says on that first Easter morning, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? It's empty. We believe even though we haven't physically seen Jesus. And Jesus says something about that kind of belief. It's what he says to Thomas after Thomas has seen and, and touched him and believed in him because of that. In verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. This is to Thomas. Blessed of those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. We have not seen the risen Christ. We believe, and Jesus says, we are even more blessed. Now, earlier I asked you if I had a $20 trillion banknote in my pocket. Well, I do. We'll need this on the screen because it's too small for you to see. This is a Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe $20 trillion banknote. Who believed me that I said it was in my pocket? Richard won. We got one first, couple of people. You might have seen a flash of it on the screen because I was trying to get to the right place. Um, I'm not a trillionaire. <laughs> um, when this came out of circulation in 2009, their top, dollar, or their, yeah, their top um, denomination was um, $100 trillion. And that would not buy you a bus ticket for the people in Zimbabwe. So this is actually more money now on eBay than it was when it was being... <laughs> I, I purchased this from a Zimbabwean pastor who came to our church and I thought, mm, I'd like to have that. Um, I think I might have paid 5 $10 for it. So there was one in my pocket. It doesn't take much effort to believe something that we can see. But to believe something that we can't see, even a $20 trillion banknote in my pocket, um, 
That takes faith. That's the faith we demonstrate today in believing Jesus is alive, is alive, not by seeing him alive with our own eyes. We have today an empty tomb. Jesus' resurrection had a profound impact on the first followers who saw this empty tomb or saw Jesus alive with their own eyes. From the moment Thomas declared to Jesus, my Lord and my God, Thomas was convinced that not only had Jesus died, but he'd come back to life as well. He'd risen from the grave. And historical tradition tells us that Thomas became probably one of, well, one of the first missionaries of the gospel. Went to India and established a number of churches around India. Some of those churches even today trace their roots back to Thomas. Thomas invested his life telling people about the risen Christ. Telling them about how Jesus had died for them, come back to life, uh, and what it meant to follow him as their saviour. Matthew tells us that Mary uh, Magdalene and the other Mary, when they learned that Jesus was alive, He says, they were filled with joy. They were filled with joy. I think that was just bursting out of them. Uh, They were astonished and they went to the tomb expecting to find this body. The body had gone and discover that Jesus is now alive. It was wonderful. It was exciting. And they were unable to control this happiness welling up inside them. Just like it did for Thomas and John and the women and the other disciples, the magnitude of what happened on that first Easter Sunday, an empty tomb, a risen Jesus, can't leave us with anything but wonder. Deep wonder and full of joy. But does it? Does it still leave us with that? Do we still feel the wonder and the amazement of the resurrection? Or has the story become so familiar that today is just a little bit different than any other Sunday? Is the true wonder being lost on us? I mentioned when our, our first um, time that we were here at RBC that Vendra and I went across to New Zealand last year and got stuck <laughs> Um, we went to visit our family, daughter and family in Christchurch and then our siblings and Glenda's mum in, in the northern part of the South Island. Uh, and we just, it was just wonderful to be with our grandkids again, um, ranging from a little two years up to 13. They, there, are, um, seven, there are now seven children in her family. Uh, one boy. And um, we got on great. He was best friends. And um, we would often go for walks uh, in, the, in the native bush and, and wetlands and just in parks and things. And the little younger kids are always looking for things and seeing a little flower or seeing a, 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 a feather on the ground or, or whatever it might have been and saying, Papa, come and see. Look what I found. Have we forgotten the wonder of a dandelion? Or a brightly coloured bird's feather or the sound of water going down the plug hole or the shape of clouds in the sky 
In Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dan Millman tells the story of Sachi. And when Sachi was four years old, her brother, uh, her baby brother was born, and little Sachi began to ask her parents to leave her on her own with this new baby. And like good parents, they became a bit worried. A four-year-old, oh, a little bit of jealousy here, what are you going to do to the little baby? So they said no. Over time, though, since Sachi was, wasn't showing any signs of um, jealousy towards this new baby, uh, they decided to let her have this private meeting with her brother. And so, elated and excited, Sachi went into his room, closed the door, but it was left open a crack. Enough for her curious parents to just watch and see what was going on. And they saw little Sachi um, walk quietly up to her baby brother, put his, her face close to his, and said, Baby, tell me what God's like. I'm starting to forget. Is childlike wonder of the resurrection disappearing for us? Have we celebrated Easter so many times that we've forgotten the wonder, the mystery of Jesus' resurrection? The wonder of Jesus dying for us the wonder of Jesus blasting his way out of this tomb, alive. Have we forgotten what it means for God to, have, to, to remove the darkness and the coldness of our heart because of sin? So the light of his presence and his glory can fill us and invade our souls and set us free. Are we too starting to forget what God looks like. It's so easy to get familiar with this story that it can sometimes or may lose its mystery. We get bogged down with life, work, routine, maybe rationalising and analysing this miracle. And wonder begins to seep out of us. So how do we revive this sense of wonder? Wonder begins by being in the presence of Jesus. What happened with Thomas, with Mary, the two Marys, with the other disciples. As we become more aware of God's presence, God's reality in our life, we become more filled with wonder about who God is. The woman at the empty tomb experienced it. John, Peter, the other disciples felt it. Thomas experienced it once. He could actually see Jesus and touch the wounds of his hands. They believed. They were filled with joy. They were overcome with wonder and amazement. When they saw Jesus, Matthew says, their response was to worship him. When you and I encounter the risen Christ, our only response is to celebrate his presence and the wonder of his resurrection. That's what Easter is all about. Jesus dying for us and coming back alive. That should move us. 
that should stir something up inside of us. It should touch something deep within us. We encounter God's wonder, that feeling of surprise and awe. And our response is to fall at Jesus' feet with gratitude and thanks and praise for all he's done. So do you believe it? Do you believe what Jesus did for you? Going to the cross, paying the price for your sins, for my sins, with his life, and coming back to life again. Jesus invites all of us to believe this. Unlike Thomas, we're not going to see Jesus before us. We have to be like John, looking into an empty tomb, believing, but not seeing with our eyes. As we believe, as we remember and celebrate and enjoy the risen Christ this morning, I pray that the events of that first Easter will become fresh and real for us again. May we be overcome with deep wonder, filled with joy, filled with hope. And may our response to him be to worship him and to live our lives devoted to him, following him, sharing him with those around us. Will you join with me as I pray? Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Father God, thank you that although we may only see an empty tomb, we have uh, the, the testimony, the witness of those who saw the risen Christ, those who saw and those who believed. They're words that help us to believe what happened. Father, I pray that the wonder and the joy of the resurrection may be experienced by us in a fresh way today. May it be real to us. As we leave this place with images of an empty tomb, may that be a real experience for us today. May that renewed sense of of wonder um, refresh refresh our faith, uh, spur us on with, with joy and with hope, and in our witness and our devotion to Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that our Saviour Jesus lives, that by believing in him, we have life eternal with you. Death is conquered. Life is ours. In our risen Saviour's name we pray. Amen.